Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with musician Paul Hartnell, one half of famed electronic duo Orbital. Every year, it seems like I hope we're going to keep going through the end of the year, but then end up taking Thanksgiving through New Year's off to deal with my day job anyway. Thanks for waiting. Uh, I think you'll be pleased with this episode as our comeback. From 1989 to 2004, musician Paul Hartnell was one half of the legendary electronic music duo Orbital, along with his brother Phil. While the pair have reunited several times in the intervening years since that time, Paul Hartnell has released a pair of solo albums— the Ideal Condition, in 858, and has begun scoring various films, documentaries, shorts, and even the second season of Peaky Blinders. His latest work is the score for the Welsh crime thriller Concrete Plans, directed by Will Jewell. I spoke with Hartnell last year about his scoring work and how Orbital's music found its way into many, many different areas of entertainment. <laughs> I, I guess to begin with, I'm curious as to how you uh, got in contact and came to work with Will Jewell on on Concrete Plans because it is a uh, it is a fascinating movie. Well, it came about through a mutual friend of ours, um, a guy called Yestin, who sort of works. He used to be a he used to be a sort of music journalist that works with the sort of Welsh Tourist Board, I think. <laughs> And um, he was somehow involved with some of the, the sort of Welsh people in, involved with the funding of the film. And he lives in Brighton. He bumped into me and said, oh, do you think you'd be interested in doing a score as a local Brighton guy doing a, you know, working on a film? And I think you'd be a great 
person to score it. And I said, yeah, I, I would. And um, we just went from there, really. I just kept in touch with, you know, Will got in touch at one point. I think it was a good year or so after we got in touch before the film, you know, even got made. But, um, yeah, we just kept in touch and, you know, we'd go and meet up for coffee and that kind of thing and sort of discuss what was going on and just just, just sort of kept in touch. Like, like so often with, you know, um, lower budget films, you know, so much of it is spent so long, you know, sort of trying to get the trying to get the funding together and that kind of thing. But I just hung in there patiently and waited for it to happen. And lo and behold, it did, which was great. That's what I, I always find it fascinating when composers come on before the the film has even started lensing anything, because it seems like it allows you to start, um, you know, a little more, I guess, ephemerally in, in that, like, I assume you, you got to read the script early on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get to think about it. It's kind of there in your head. So when you do finally start, you kind of hit the ground running because you've already got an idea. You know, sometimes you might have built a few sort of themes or ideas um, in the background, you know, that you may or may not play to the director. But, you know, you, you can sort of, you can kind of build it up like that. I'm trying to think if I, I, I had a few, I started kind of collecting sounds and things like that with this one, just little bits and pieces. I thought, oh, if we get a moment... That, that's like this that this kind of sound will work well and you know just kind of thinking it through a little bit how did it change once you saw how it looked and it came out like on 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 screen i don't know if it did change that much because i knew that kind of will was you know quite keen for some kind of guitar element which i was really happy to to do um I'm not. I'm not much of a guitar player, but I, I do like. I do like kind of guitar-led scores are quite quite unusual, quite different because normally it's sort of keyboard players writing scores. Um, and for me, it was that. I suppose I I like a lot of folk music and that kind of thing. And so I was kind of thinking things like guitars and flute-like sounds um, to try and capture an element of the the countryside of the remoteness and that kind of folksy kind of feel that's quite comforting around all the sort of bloodshed and horror that goes on but just to kind of sort of bed in with the landscape i guess the the very interesting thing about concrete plans is that it is um it is set in 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 the countryside and it has like this very you know working man uh labor feel going on to it and yet it gets progressively more uh, violent, which seems to uh, stand in stark contrast to, to the, to the imagery that's going on. Um, Were you um, trying to like, not lean in to like the more, uh, I guess, physical aspects of it and more the, the visual ones I, no, I don't. I, I I can't say I thought about about it in that kind of way. I just I just sort of watch it. I tend to react to to scenes and and films when I'm writing, and it's it just a gut feeling. Oh, this is the right thing. Oh, that's the right thing. You know what I mean? It just sort of happens. But I find also it kind of the ideas leapfrog. It, you know, I always work generally work I should say from beginning to end. So by the time you're kind of halfway through, you've got 
a palette and a set of sounds that are working. And then in this film, you know, the, the whole atmosphere changes halfway through. So you then, you know, you've you've got your palette. So you kind of try and turn that on its head as you add new sort of colours and, and sounds to it to, to develop the, the horror aspect and the, the frightening kind of you know, nasty stuff, but while still trying to keep and retain aspects of the, the earlier parts of your storytelling, you know, you kind of keep plucking bits out of it and, and, and use it. I guess that, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's yeah. kind of how it worked for me anyway. No, it totally does. And I, I, I'm kind of curious because like, I know you've done uh, some scoring in, in, in the, in the past, most notably um, on, on the second season of uh, P- Peaky Blinders and a, yeah. a few other things. Um, so I, I'm curious as to how you, um, like, given that you've done uh, several shorts as well, I'm curious as to how you approach a, a feature versus um, a, a short subject or uh, television. That's an interesting point. I'm not sure because each it's more like each job feels different. Um, I think having only ever done one sort of six part, you know, you know, like scoring Peaky Blinders was six hours of of scoring. That's much more of a marathon, um, and it, it feels like it's a funny one because I would imagine a lot of the time you fall back on repeated themes and that kind. of kind of thing but we had quite a good visionary director on on um peaky blinders and he kept saying no no i'm bored of that i don't want to hear that again i want to hear something new and he kept everybody on their toes kind of developing themes and that kind of thing as it went along which meant you could use repeated themes you had to kind of disguise it a bit from him and it was a bit of a game of cat and mouse um but with sort of something like concrete plans you're you're definitely seeing the whole thing in one go I think, and it feels more akin to to sort of scoring a long episode of a TV show. You know what I mean? Each mm-hmm. TV show, even though you've got a, you've you've got six episodes and you are thinking ahead, you kind of have to really stay in the moment of the episode you're on, and then hopefully that will spin out into the next one. And um, I think with really short, like short uh, sort of things. Uh, you know, like I, I just did a thing called One Last Dance, and that's essentially one, two pieces of music. Um, and it's 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 because it's so short that it just feels like one theme is all it needs, and I just extrapolated from it. Um, you know, it's got a central kind of piece of music, and then everything else is like a ghost of that spreading out in either direction. And that was, for me, was the concept. It was like, that's the solid piece of music, everything else... It's you know yeah it becomes it needed to be a ghost a ghosty kind of thing because it's a ghosty kind of film, um, <laughs> but with this with concrete plans it was definitely it's more of it starts gentle and just gets brutal in the in the middle <laughs> and how do you sort of reconcile those two those two halves I kind of tried to do it I know the film isn't a folk horror film but I kind of because of the countryside aspect and because of my kind of love of you know sort of the Wicker Man and folk horror sort of things, I kind of tried to treat it with a little aspect of that to give it some, you know, to sort of give the landscape some kind of air of mystery to it all. Um, And so that also means when you get into the horror stuff, you can kind of still conjure the landscape with your kind of folk horror 
you know, atmosphere and ideas. That's kind of how I thought of it, how that, that translates to the screen. As long as it works, I don't mind how it translates to the screen. But that's kind of the starting point in my head, I guess. You know, it's really interesting you mentioned folk horror because, like, uh, the the like the the really like notable like folk horror films like you mentioned the wicker man or a blood on satan's claw like they have like this element of uh like where like the group drives like something toward you know the 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 group drives everyone in individuals into this you know horrible horrible thing that happens at the end of the film and uh yeah, that's that's very definitely concrete plants. Well, yeah, yeah, you know they they had to make a blood sacrifice in the name of money. You know? <laughs> that's a very very solid way of putting it. Yeah, um, I didn't even think of that at the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm curious, like because um your 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 work with Orbital in in the past has been featured in many many um films and television programs and you've also like as as orbital you and and your brother notably have reworked two sort of very uh notable themes like you reworked the 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 theme for the saint for that film in 1997 and you also reworked the theme for for doctor who um i've I, i'm like so curious because like like what what was it like tackling like these very well-known pieces of music and like how did did working in on those particular like elements of score um affect like what you did when you started scoring things yourself uh, I don't think they did really affect how I score things because they're themes they're diff- they're they're very different and for me, that Doctor Who was easy because it's like, okay, what you know, wouldn't it be fun to do a sort of ravey dance music <laughs> version of the Doctor Who theme tune and change its time signature so that it's absolutely a different thing, but yet really, really familiar. And um, so, giving it a different swagger, you know, and and making it, you know, very much a, a you know, sort of almost like a sort of happy hardcore kind of version <laughs> of, of the track. Um, it was just it was just great fun, and actually with the the sort of saint, that was a funny one because they they kind of said, oh, we don't we want the theme tune, but we don't like it, we don't think it's cool, and so that was the challenge. It was like, okay, I've got to make it cool. So I kind of thought, well, what's cool from that era? And it's like think people like Lalo Schifrin, and it's like, so okay, so we've got to kind of Lalo Schifrin it up a bit. It's not that far from it anyway, and. Um, but then it's like, well, if you're going to go go for that, what else is it you could do? And it's, it was kind of, you know, trying to channel that whole kind of drum and bass kind of thing that was going on at the time as well, which I loved. So it's got elements of those those kind of things while trying to keep true to a version of the same theme tune that I had that I to this day I don't know and I don't really care actually was I don't know if it was the original version. It was a version that I liked that I had on a record that I'd had since I was a kid. And so that was the one that I kind of imitated um, and, you know, and tried to sort of do do in my own way. So it's, yeah, I mean, for me, to be fair, tackling those two tracks was so much fun because, to be fair, the, the hard work was done. Someone had already written the fantastic tunes. <laughs> so all I had to do was kind of produce it and re, 
repurpose it for for the for what people wanted. So in the t- terms of the saint, it was to give a bunch of Hollywood people the feeling that it was cool again. And for Doctor Who, it was to revive the Doctor Who theme tune, which was dead in the water at that time in the mid nineties. Everyone had forgotten Doctor Who. You know, it had finished and. It, it was a, a thing of the past. No one knew it was coming back with, you know, a vengeance or anything like that. And it was like, I don't want the Doctor Who theme tune to finish. I want to keep, I want to play it. It's trippy. It's about space and time and what a great way to end a rave, you know? So that was my, that was, that was my sort of reckoning for that. So that was good fun, really. The the thing I ask, like every um, sort of musician who, who has had their music featured, uh in in television and in film uh is the idea and i think it's very interesting especially for you now being as how you're you're also now a composer like what is it sort of like having your hearing your music in a visual context like removed from like how you originally um put it together uh, what if somebody takes like a like for for example we've had the track Halcyon has ended three different films right 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 um, and and it started another one how about that do you know what I mean it's like <laughs> you'd think it was this great ending piece and all of a sudden someone goes and puts it at the start of a film and it works there as well for me it's a collaborative sort of thing and it's really interesting to see what a director does with it when they decide. I want this piece of music and I want it here in my film. And you watch it and you go, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that. Or you think, oh, that works. That's really nice. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting collaboration, but one that, you know, you've done your part. It's a, it's a weird collaboration because it's kind of once removed because you're not actually involved in the collaborative process. Someone else is doing it, you know, out of time. You've done your bit and then they're taking it and running with it. That's more like a sort of relay race of collaboration rather than sort of actual working with someone i always find it fascinating and interesting you know and nine times out of ten it works really well because if a director is decided they want your piece of music rather than a piece of score they've made it they've made their mind up they've just they've got a decision they've they've got a very strong idea and that's that's so that you you know it's going to work you know well, I, what I find really fascinating, and this is like a, an idea I've had sort of going going through my head, because um, like Orbital played, and you yourself uh, solo have played like so many raves and festivals and things like that. I have to like I I have this idea that composing is similar to like responding to the crowd where like you're you're making music that responds to a, a, a thing as opposed to working just in a vacuum. Yeah, oh well absolutely. It's like when you work on a film, it could be akin to like that the, the the intention is already set. The thing that that is there has happened. And it's your job to then say what hasn't been said by the actors or the visual content. So, you know, for example, you know, if, if, if you need it, if it needs to be scary, it might not be scary on screen and nobody might be saying anything. So it's your job to, you know, surround the audience with some scary chords that, that conjure up that feeling or to make people cry. How many times have you cried in a film and where if you didn't have the music, you wouldn't have cried. The, the, it's the tipping point. The music just shoves you over the edge 
beyond where the actor and the director can't. It's just that little extra push of, and it's a weird thing. Why should it even work? Why should we listen to music? Why should music be playing in the background of some drama? It's a really odd thing that comes from the silent movie era. And it's kind of, you know, it's still there and we love it. And we've, it's become a cultural kind of composite that's happened. And so, you know, I think it was Bernard Herrmann that said, you know, the, the, and I've, I always remember it. So, you know, not necessarily the exact words, but I always remember it's just, you know, the job of the composer is to say what the actors can't. And that's, that's it. That says it all, really, I think. Oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I like the thing I always find like fascinating regarding film scores is that for the longest time, like once sound became a, like sound pictures became a thing was the idea that you had to have music coming from a source. Like it took a while for them to get to the point where they were back where it's like, no, you could just have music that doesn't have to be coming out of a radio or from a band yeah, yeah. or somebody singing it. <laughs> yeah that's true um given that like you've you've had your music in so many films and television programs and you've scored things and you've also been in uh some films play and television shows playing a, a a dj or your yourself essentially like on er and in uh the, yeah. the first triple x movie right that's right yeah um like the, you it seems that you've gotten to see like uh film or television from like a, a much greater number of perspectives that, than most folks um what what's sort of your your favorite aspect of of working in this side of the industry like working in uh, film or television as opposed to like just music I think the collaborative element, I think it's such a massive sort of collection of moving parts from, you know, the art department to the caterers to, you know, the actors, the director, um, you know, composition, lighting, film, camera work, you know, just seeing how much goes on with between the the sort of the cameraman and the lighting crew is, is immense just to watch that happening over over time um you know and the director what i like is about the collaborative process is nine times out of ten the director trusts the lighting guy you know trusts the cameraman who trusts the lighting guys and they're all working together but not stepping on each other's toes but they discuss it and i just love that kind of big collaborative process i mean how many films would be so different if you just changed a few aspects of that changed a couple of the actors the director you know the 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 camera person it's it's so it's such a big thing. And music is such a big thing. The only regret I have about music is nine times out of ten you end up being the last person working, um, and and the, you know you're not you're not actually sharing the moment with the rest of that team, um, which is why when I do work on things, if I'm in early enough, I like to go on set and sort of just meet people and just get a vibe for what's going on. And that I find it fascinating to to sort of go and do do that. Well, this this film is being released and it's getting uh, great reviews, and it seems like everybody finds it as as sort of stunning uh, in in all senses of the word that I did. Um, 
Uh, now that this project is, is wrapped up, what other things are you in the process of working on? I'm aware that obviously the pandemic has changed things for everyone. Yeah, there's a few things that are in the pipeline, but I'm not. I can't talk about them because I don't want to curse them. Do you know what I mean? There's <laughs> things that may or may not happen, but there's one thing that I'm really looking forward to. I really want it to happen. If it does, it's going to be big, but but I'm not. I can't jinx it. <laughs> well, um, I, I look forward to it, whatever yeah. it it's may be. So down my street, and it encompasses um, an old orbital track and then a score, and it's, it will be a TV series. But well, who I... knows whether it will happen or not? You know, <laughs> everything is up in the air these days. It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it should have been done and finished by now, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I always keep my finger in in pies, you know, to, you know. I'm still talking to to Will about you know other ideas and that kind of thing, and other films that he wants to make. We're still, you know, um, staying in touch when when we can actually go to the pub and discuss things. Anyway, you know. <laughs> Well, sir, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I really appreciate it. This has been an absolute delight. Oh, well, thank you for wanting to talk to me. It's, uh, you know, it's my pleasure entirely. Thanks to Paul Hartnell for talking with me. Concrete Plans is currently available in the UK from Signature Entertainment. You can find more information about Orbital at their website, orbitalofficial.com, by following them on Facebook at Orbital Official, on Twitter at Orbital Band, and Instagram at Orbital. Paul Hartnell is on Twitter at paulhartnell858. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod and can be found on Instagram at From and Inspired By. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with Tristan Bechet about his upcoming EP. Royal Dagger Ballet, and his soundtrack work with Karen O of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>